I don't even own like snow pants and I really don't even have proper boots to wear in the snow. So I'm wearing like boots that have holes in them and, right. you know, three <laughs> pairs of socks. And, and there's, there's the, maybe the, what we need to work on. Cause they say there's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices. <laughs> I disagree. I mean, you know, <laughs> at least they say that around here. I'm, yeah. I, I'm they not say, sure I agree either. They yeah. say, but anyway, they're wrong a lot. <laughs> They are. Well said. Welcome to episode 118 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, plus friends, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens. Yeah, usually with a good brew in hand. You can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Dip your toe in at the um, shot glass level at $2 a month or go for a full pint to growler level to keep this show rolling. And to give yourself some um, PT Live swag and access to extended interviews with special guests, visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. And a big thank you for our current patrons. (laughs) <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you. And you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag PT Live. You can follow at Pub Theology on those platforms, and you can also check out video clips of the show uh, on IGTV or watch us on YouTube for extra content. And you can also call us and leave a voicemail at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 or email us info at pubtheology.com. Well, today, uh, hopefully we're thawing out and we're talking about the polar vortex and whether human beings can, in fact, impact the weather uh, or the climate or both. And is it fair even to say that human sin is precipitating the increasing number of severe weather events happening around the globe? And if so, what's the antidote? How do we... uh, How do we impact it for the better rather than for the worse? And is that effort a spiritual pursuit? So we'll talk about that and how churches and other faith communities may be addressing this issue. And to help us in this conversation, we're joined by gardener, theologian, and friend of the show, Derek Weston. Welcome, Derek. Hi. I am friend of the show, Derek Weston. Friend of the show and and former co-host and current uh, stepping in co-host. So glad to have you today. Yeah, glad to be here. What what are we drinking, friends? So um, decided for both of us to get new 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 brews. Uh, This is called Clown. This is by Clown Shoes Beer. It's called Space Cake Double IPA. Oh my word! I am super excited about this. So. Let's see how it, how it, And for those of you who are listening and not watching, um, if you're watching, you can see that Derek and I are in the same place because Derek and I are are married and we live together, Mm -hmm. which not all married people do, but we happen to. Um, So he went to the liquor store for both of us. So he's having that. Is it delicious? Oh, it's so good. All right. So he got something I've never had, uh, 1623 Brewing Company. Um, which is, it says Maryland, Colorado. I don't know if that's in Maryland and in Colorado, or if that's in a town called Maryland, Colorado. Interesting. Oh, no, it's brewed and canned by DeClaw Brewing Company, which is in Baltimore. So we'll try it out. It's an old world style wheat beer in a German tradition. A refreshing ale in the color of pillowy mouthfeel that finishes bright and dry. Ooh. All right, mouthfeel. Harkening back to our earlier coffee conversation. Right. I do, I do love me a good mouthfeel. I'm not going to lie. There we go. It's got Excellent. Good in the mouth area. I just got to say, as much as I like this beer, I, I don't know if 
I like the can art more. It's like this guy flying through space and there's like cupcake spaceships flying around him and it's a little trippy, but I kind of dig it. I don't know. But the beer is also very good. Excellent. Excellent. What are you drinking, Brian? I am drinking uh, the Crop Duster Citra IPA by Grand Armory Brewing uh, from Grand Haven, Michigan, just up the road. Nice. Nice. Had one of these watching the game the other night, and it's not bad. It's It almost feels like a, a double IPA. It's definitely a, a, a heavier 7.5%. Uh, not bad. Excellent. Not bad. And I went with a neutral blue uh, can, brought this to where I was watching the game. I thought both teams had blue, so it was a neutral, <laughs> right? That's definitely more of a Rams blue than way, it is a Patriots blue. Way to be a peacemaker. Yeah. Hey, I was trying. He's yeah. a nine. He's a nine on the Enneagram. <laughs> so, um, favorite snow day activity. And have you guys, how many snow days have you had this year, if any? So, last last week, um, the Full snow day was Wednesday, but there was no snow. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. School closed early on Tuesday. So I worked from home Tuesday. Um, school closed all day Wednesday and then went two hours late on Thursday and then closed a half a day early. So closed three hours early on Friday. So, which is when we actually got snow. Yeah, which was actual snow. So there, um, was, there was quite a bit of impact then. Uh, yeah, and then I think we had like one snow day in December, November, mm-hmm. December. Like, but that's yeah. all we've had. Yeah, um, we've had a little dustings, but like nothing, nothing major. Last week was probably the most we've had. So, is there something uh, that either of you likes individually or together or with kids that you say it's a snow day? Let's do X. So Derek hates snow. <laughs> like hates it, hates it. Which like for, uh, so, and, and, and we've talked about this over and over again, right? Like, so for a person who loves sloth, like, I don't understand how he hates a snow day because like. Well, I get hating the snow, but isn't getting a snow day like a bit of a gift? Like things. No, yeah. So that's, that's the good clarification. I don't hate snow days. I hate snow. But I don't <laughs> hate snow days. Gotcha. Um, like I, I'm all for having a day off. What what upsets me though is like, especially in a place like Maryland, is that like parts of parts of this area feel like the South. So like a dusting of snow and like everything canceled. Um, and then, but then there's also we're close enough north, we're far enough north that like there's enough of us who have you know either all wheel drive or just experience driving in the snow. So like. Not everything is closed. If we got a snow day where everything was closed, I'd be all, like, that I'm all for. Um, It's the snow days where it's, like, kind of, like, some of us are venturing out into the snow and some of us aren't. You know, that I don't don't like so much. Yeah, like, Wednesday, everybody was off school, but I could totally function in every way. Like, I drove, it was was, was was really cold and really windy, but it wasn't snow, like, there was no reason to not be on the road. Yeah. Right, but but to answer your question, my favorite snow day activity is day drinking. Mm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it is. I'm a my favorite snow day activity is building a fire and reading reading by the fire. Like every snow day, that's we had to. In fact, we had to go out for supplies several times, which was only just wood. Like you know, we had everything else, but yeah. we got yeah. we got several more rounds of wood. Got to have it. Gotta have it. I love it. It's my favorite. I did it three times this week. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yep. What about you, Brian? What do you do on snow day activity? Yeah, I think ideally in my mind, a good snow day activity is like a big family board game. But how often does that actually transpire? Probably less than <laughs> I would want it to, you know? But it just brings me back to being a kid and missing school myself, you know? Yeah. And my siblings and I, we would pull out Monopoly or Life or, you know, play Risk and play some play some games. And a snow day always felt like a perfect excuse to do that. Uh, and of course, uh, there were, uh, there was a snow day every single day last week here and the Friday before. So six straight oh days of no school and I wasn't here for one. Right. Of them. 
which you missed. <laughs> you missed all of it. Has Christy let you out of the doghouse for that? I mean, so, uh, good question. I don't know. Good question. I mean, I see you're in the shed today, but you know, I guess I should say, like, are you living in the shed? Has she, well, yeah. I guess I should. I think it's the opposite, right? Has she let you leave the house? Because I yeah. would be like, you are not leaving this house again. Until, Man. You know. So uh, it was crazy, and uh, those of you who listened to last week's episode know I was in Toronto for the recording, and I was supposed to leave. It was supposed to be just a weekend, leaving Monday, and instead, four straight days of canceled flights. Came home Friday, but it was kind of surreal. Like four days, like I get having a flight canceled, but four days right. in a row felt like what is happening? Yeah, it always makes me like, how in the world do they catch up? Like. Right. All those people flying, you know, I guess just a lot of people like give up and don't, you know, don't go anywhere. But and I think some people got had different ways to route to their location right. and got on those flights. But I was trying to get to a place where it just was bad all week. Right. And Yeah, uh, you were literally like Antarctica last week. So there was yeah, no it was it was rough. So so you all, do you all do like we don't the kids go outside and play, but like we don't all go out and build snowmen or whatever like we. Like right. Derek and I don't go out in the snow. Like that's just not something we do. Do you all do that? Like, do, do you go out as a family and play in the snow? A little, the kids go out more than we do for sure. Um, if I'm in the right mood, I'll, I'll join for a snowball fight, you know, help build a, yeah. build a fort. And usually it's me joining one of the little kids who are trying to defend themselves against the, the two older boys. So, <laughs> so right. Parental instincts kick in and I'm like, okay, I'll help. I'll be on your team. Right. Fine. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Um, but I don't need to be out for long. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get them ready. I send them out and I have cocoa ready on the way back in, but I'm like, I, I just, no, that's not something I, and they really don't. on snow pants and boots. And... Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our dining room, if you look on the other side of our room, is still full of snow pants and boots and layers of stuff that, you know, because they came in the back door and just stripped down. Yes. You know, I don't even own like snow pants and I really don't even have proper boots to wear in the snow. So I'm wearing like boots that have holes in them and, right. you know, three <laughs> pairs of socks and. I used to, and then Maggie got so big that she could wear my shoes, and now they're her snow boots because I don't go. have any because she doesn't have any anymore. But yeah, yeah, but I, it was I don't have any like snow gear. Right? No, like I mean, I, I feel like you don't unless you like go snowing, like unless you or sk uh, skiing, or, you know. Yeah. And there's there's the maybe the, what we need to work on because they say there's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices. <laughs> I disagree. I mean, you know, <laughs> at least. They say that around here. I'm, I'm, they I'm not say, sure I agree either. They yeah. say, but anyway. They're wrong a lot. <laughs> they are. Well said. So is it fair to say that human sin can impact the weather? In the past, uh, certain uh, religious folks have blamed sin, like, uh, for example, homosexuality, uh, these are their words for events like Hurricane Katrina, like, right? They'll say, oh, this this city was not living according to God's will. Look what devastation God wrought on them. Um, so a question is, were they right about the ability of human actions to impact the weather, but maybe wrong about which actions are doing the impacting? And is it still fair to call it sin, even if you think yes? So what do you think? So... Yeah, I think sin does impact the weather, just not in the ways that people uh, tend to think of it. I don't think homosexuality is is contributing to climate change at all. Um, <laughs> nor do I think it's a sin. Um, yeah. You know, but I do think I do think our corporate sins of of um, of corporate agriculture and the ways that we do agriculture, uh, the ways that we have done manufacturing, the ways that we have um, the ways that we have prioritized consumption and consumerism and production over the environment, I think those things have definitely contributed to the storms that we see and the, the, the just bizarre, you know, so much of the, so much of the country went from like 20 degrees last week to 60 degrees this week. Like yeah. that's just bizarre, you know? And, and so, yeah, I do think that our sins as, as a, industrial um 
capitalism driven society uh, have contributed to climate change. And I, yeah. I think, I think absolutely we should call it sin. Yeah. I, th- I think it's such an interesting um, kind of thing to talk about, right? Like I, I grew up in the South hearing this all the time, right? Like, um, and maybe you don't have to grow up in the South, but I really like, I, I contributed to that, but that, that it was seen as like what we called acts of God, right? So the right. weather, which I, I actually was thinking about this because I was thinking we don't really call weather, we didn't call the polar vortex acts of God anymore. And as, as either that's science getting ahead of us, that this isn't God, this is science, right? Um, or both or whatever, right? Like we just, right. we don't, we no longer call it that. But, but people viewed, uh, New Orleans and Katrina's is a great example. They viewed that as um, an act of God, the way that they viewed Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Um, that, right. Right, that God is punishing them for their sin. And, and I don't, so I think, I think we have to be careful, even though we say yes, like right now we are being punished for our sin, but that's something that we are doing that we have control over and it's not an act of God punishing us for our sin. Or is it? I mean, that's a whole nother question. Or, I guess. or is it like an indirect, right? Maybe, maybe God, right. you know, if we uh, believe that God created the world in such a way that if we mistreat it, it will have repercussions on us, could be like an indirect uh, act of God, not a right. direct act of God, uh, if you will. Um, but I think the the Sodom and Gomorrah alignment is super dangerous. Yes. Like that is just that's something we that needs to go. For or even sure. the flood. Or the flood. You no, know, there's that's not right. the only story of, of of God destroying things because of people's sin. You know, and I and I, I agree with you hundred percent that like we have to we have to get away from that kind of interpretation because um one, frankly, we don't know the hard mind of God. And like, you know, I would never interpret something that happens even to my worst enemy, I wouldn't interpret as the wrath of God, you know. But more importantly, I think it 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 really does blind us to our our culpability and our responsibility for the things that we can control. Yeah. And and is it fair to say that often it's the people who used to call things like Katrina uh, the result of human sin who now will not say that it's human sin impacting the climate and the weather? It's not, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but it's a pretty high, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like that. It feels like the, the folks who, who, who thought that uh, Katrina happened because of the sinfulness of New Orleans are also the people who are ignoring climate change, um, and, and it's 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 really interesting because it it it's like um, whenever whenever your politics get affected by a theological interpretation, all of a sudden it becomes a invalid one, um, right? So. And when you and when you're taking your theological claims at a higher um, higher of truth value than what science is actually has evidence for. It just feels like you're setting yourself up for trouble and for people to say, forget the church. I'm, I'm done with this business because their heads are in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really, um, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of, of churchgoers who, are not rejecting science. You know, there are plenty right. of church viewers who are like, yes, climate change. I mean, I, I actually, so I, I attend, I attend the church that Shannon leads on, on Sundays. And like, I heard a couple older ladies behind me talking about climate change. Like, like they, they, <laughs> they believe this stuff is happening because they see what's happening around them. Yeah. You know, um, there's plenty of church goers who, who believe this stuff. It just, it's just like so many subjects, it's often the vocal people 
Um, it's the it's the Sarah Huckabee Sanders of the world who have this giant platform and say, "Well, God will take care of of right. the of climate change." You know, and it's like, and and you know, God will take God care will of God will take care of things. <laughs> We just I mean, might not be around to see how God right. does that. And I mean, right, dinosaurs, and, <laughs> ask them how that worked out. <laughs> and we have a president, right, who tweets out, you know, about the polar vortex and man, if we could, where's climate change when we need it? Like just well, they say playing, global warming, right? Or so where's they, global warming when global we need warming, it? Global warming, right? Displaying like an astounding amount of. Uh, ignorance which is kind of his mo but it's just well and i love the switch that they're they're and i'm sorry it's there right because it's the people that are denying that this is happening on our planet it's the people that are saying no corporations can put as much toxicity in the world we can consume as much gasoline as we want we get you know whatever like none of this has an effect on our environment who are just again like we said sticking their heads in the sand um, but it's it's that it's global warming when it gets frigid, like the polar vortex. But it's climate change when the temperatures are 113 degrees, and they're going, yes, this is only going to continue to climb. And they're like, well, this is it was 100 and whatever you know years and years ago. And I'm like, right, but we've all seen the start the charts. It's steadily increasing. There's no question about that. Right, and you know, I, I mean. I, I can certainly be sympathetic to when people say, well, uh, the planet has these cycles and, you know, there are these sh broader shifts that are going to happen, you know, even if there were no humans on the planet. Certainly that's true, right? But the question yeah. is how, which is why, I, you know, a non-scientist like myself has to rely on data and findings of actual scientists who really do tend to uh, almost... Um, unanimously say human impacts really are having a, you know an accelerating effect on what maybe would happen at a smaller level but our our use of uh, fossil fuels our carbon emissions all that stuff is sort of ramping everything up at a rate that we don't know where that's going to go but maybe not a good place in terms of at least humans surviving well and i think that's where we have to stop taking it polar vortex by polar vortex, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is not the first time I've ever heard this word, right? right? This, isn't, this is the first time, this isn't the first time it's ever happened. Like we have to stop taking it in, in such little chunks and scientists are trying to get us to see the bigger picture. And that's where, that's where our sin comes in. Like, it's not about me driving my car to the grocery store, right? But it's about the larger image of every, you know, like every household in the suburbs has a car for every adult that can drive. You know, what, is, what does all of that mean? What does all of that look like 20 years down the road? We, you know, I remember reading reports years ago about the fear of India getting cars, right? right? because of the, just the sheer number right. of people. Like if India had cars the way that Americans have cars and we're going, oh, that's terrible, but we're not willing to give up our cars. Right. You know, we've built right. a whole society around having a car or you know, whatever. So it, it, we have to look at it in, in this, for lack of a better term, global view. Um, and, and like Derek says, you know, that's the corporate sin and and i think you know to take that a step further like to look at the weather as a whole as we see these trends year by year not you know one winter or not because we've let's see i've been in maryland for seven years and we've had like um, for almost what five straight years we've had the warmest winters overall and, overall. and, and the last couple of years have been the wettest the wettest winters and, yeah and and like and like last year was the wettest year on record. So like that is a that is a climate shift. Yeah. And again, it's one of those places where you would like a president who knows the difference between weather and climate. But uh, we have to wait a little bit for that. Right. We currently don't have one. <laughs> we currently don't have that. <laughs> but but it, but it is one of those things where you where you start to say like, what does it do to 
an ecosystem when yes. like it's not just that this was the wettest summer or the wettest year on record it's that we are trending towards wetter and wetter years and then what happens when like maryland becomes swampland right you know and like you have, becomes the everglades <laughs> you have huge ecological shifts that are happening for which we're not preparing ourselves yeah and 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 the impact, as you said, on the whole ecological system and plants that are adapted for one kind of climate suddenly can no longer exist or be healthy. And then when they, you know, can't keep reproducing or growing healthily, that impacts animals and vice versa and other plants dependent on them. And the whole thing is so interconnected. And I think we really are on the on the, the edge of seeing some pretty major very uh, chartable shifts, as you noted, um, that might not be good. Yeah. Well, and, and Derek's talked about this, you know, a lot in the sense of, and, and there's a movement, there's certainly a movement in general, I think, but in the church, in a small sect of the church to understand these changes, but not just the weather or the climate changes, right? understand what this does to our soil and how that affects our food growth and how food specifically or, or agriculture specifically, um, how changing that more to a local when we can right. um, basis rather than a global basis to cut back on emissions, um, to cut back on, on GMOs, to cut back, you know, um, and finding, finding ways to do that is actually um, becoming a very, so, so theologically, it's a very faithful thing to do, right? Yeah. It's, it's getting back to Genesis. It's being good stewards of the land and tilling the soil. Um, but it's also, at least right now in our culture, a subversive act. It's not something that's fully accepted, fully acceptable. Yeah. I've, I've found myself, uh, of late, like thinking twice before I order something online and thinking, wait, where could I get this locally where it's already sitting on a shelf and it's already been shipped, you know, versus right. me needing it to show up a special truck just to my house, which, you know, we all love and still do from yes, time we to do. time, right? <laughs> we do that. But I, but I've noticed that I'm just thinking, do I really need to order that online or, or could I just go and get it? And that not only helps the local economy, but it reduces perhaps you know, a route or whatever from other vehicles on the road um, delivering. But that, you know, it's, it's such a catch 22 because we're just in this system of convenience and, and uh, yeah, our just whole economic system is, is not built around what's efficient or, or what's, um, what's the best use of resources and all that jazz. It's kind of like, hey, if we can get it available to you and you'll spend money and that'll help our bottom line. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll give you. We'll give you one-click shopping. Exactly. <laughs> we love the one-click. Well, and it's 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 really about what's what it really comes down to is deferred cost, right? It's we get things cheaper now yes. that we're going to have to pay for in some way, some form down the road. Yeah. And and that's the thing that I think we we don't want to see because we're we're always being bombarded with the thing you can get cheaply right now. Right. Um, but we're, what we're starting to see is the consequences of what it means to have inexpensive instant gratification all the time is that there are long-term consequences for it, um, many of which we did not consider, many of which we um, are being buried. And I, I honestly don't believe that there are as many climate change deniers as those who are vocally claiming that they deny it. Right. I just think that it would be financially expedient. It's financially expedient to deny climate change when your profit base is dependent on people not believing that there is such a thing. Yeah. So we've, we've used the language of sin here when we're talking about this, which of course has uh, theological weight. And I'm wondering, um, 
what you think the role of the church is in terms of speaking theologically and preaching about care of planet, um, care of creation, and how well do you think churches are doing that? Is this a very frequent topic? Um, you know, but uh, we have a lot of clergy friends between us, and and do you think? Do you sense that this is being talked about very much in the church? My sense, and, and maybe this is just my particular bias, is not enough. Um, for, for the magnitude of the issue, I feel like we're not talking about it nearly enough. Yeah. Um, there are small pockets of, of, of the church that are talking about it and talking about it a lot and trying to get people to talk about it more. But I, I think just in, in terms of, if you, if you talk about, you know, the size of the issue versus the amount of attention it's getting, those things feel very disproportionate to me. Yeah, that's well said. I, I think I would feel similarly. Shannon, any, any thoughts about role of the church or, or how to, you know, work this more into the messaging of, uh, the church via preaching, theological education, that kind of thing? See, I would, I would, um, not that preaching isn't great, but this is an area that we can totally use our facilities mm. for. Right. Like, I mean, we have these, so we, we talk often, um, particularly in the church that is growing smaller and smaller on a regular basis. And, um, yet we have these buildings, we have these grounds, um, that could easily be made less into lawns and more into community gardens, right? Yep. Reaching out to your neighbors. And, and again, this is an area where I'm like, if you don't have the people to sustain it, you don't have to let, let the community, I mean, this is, yeah. you're doing it for theological reasons. They may not be, I don't think it matters, right? right? Like. Your turn, you can turn your property into a community garden. You can make decisions to not put chemicals on your lawn, for instance, right? Like to not use Roundup. I mean, Roundup, we're, we're taking it off the shelves. We all get that it's bad, but we're still putting toxins into our, in our water streams. Um, finding those ways to turn these huge lawns into to areas of, of ministry and growth, but through um cultivation of of our land and and you know have it so you're a downtown church and you have shrubbery right around you don't have a lot plant tomato plants and plant um we had a friend in in downtown baltimore that you know derek went and helped them plant tomatoes things that could be picked right off the vine to be eaten that didn't have to be cooked Right. Because they're across the street from a big park where there's a lot of, where a lot of homeless people live. And, you know, come eat, like, why have big boxwood, you know, bushes there when you could grow tomato plants? And, and then what, what hopefully happens then also is not only a relationship being built, but a, a care for the property around, you yeah. know, that church, that there's not trash thrown there and that the community gets involved in that. Um, but even these suburban churches with this big lawns, you know, let find somebody in the congregation or even somebody in the community who's willing to take that project on, build raised, bed, raised beds all over it. And, you know, we're trying to find ways to do outreach and everything else. This is one of the simplest ways to do it. And I think, I think to, towards the bigger point that, that Shannon's making is that preaching about it is good. And, you know, there's, there's, um, I think a lot of churches will, um, do a sermon maybe around earth day. If it doesn't, you know, get in the way of Easter, um, <laughs> which it will this which year, it, which it will this year. Um, and, and, and print 15 flyers although, about how to save the planet and put them in your bulletin <laughs> and use three times the paper. Um, yeah. Although, I'm taking notes here. This sounds amazing. This although, is one of my favorite things. Although, like you, if you want a good sermon about environmentalism and Easter uh, and how they overlap, I have a great sermon for you Ooh. and you can have it for the low price. No, um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I have preached about environmentalism on Easter. Um, 
because we need to talk about the resurrection of all things. And we need to talk about what it means that God is making all things new and, mm. and what, what it means for the creation to groan and waiting for the, the children of God to be revealed. Yeah. Uh, Romans 8. Um, but <laughs> I, I also think that, but to Shannon's larger point is that like, it's really a place where the church has to put its money where its mouth is right. and, and not just, not just preach about it. Like it really is a place where, you know, can your church afford to put solar panels on it? Can your church do an, an energy efficiency audit and really examine its own carbon footprint? Can your church, you know, do you have timers in your bathroom? So the lights go off, yeah. right? Do you, I mean, I mean, you know, do you, did you switch your bulbs to led bulbs? Can you find ways for people to carpool so that there's not people coming from the same neighborhood, but bringing six cars, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's all these things where I feel like the, the church uh, actually like so many things, you know, the church really needs to, if it's going to lead, it needs to lead by example. And there, and this is so consistent with a theology that begins with God created the heavens and the earth, that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Like, where's the problem? Where's the disconnect? You know? Yeah. It seems um, like a no brainer, right? It, it really does feel like a no brainer to me. Like if you, if you can, if you give your like, uh, like intellectual assent to Genesis one, one, then like <laughs> you, you should, you should be on board with this. Yeah. And I think as you both have said, you know, certainly preaching might have its place and it might inspire people to think about, things they do in their own lives or their own business practices. Sure. But as you've said, uh, how we're practicing this is going to speak volumes. And if, you can give all the sermons you want. And if you're ignoring your facility, your grounds, your building, um, mm -hmm. other, other efforts by local environmental groups, mm -hmm. um, then I think, or, or advocating for policies that are harmful to the, you know. So, oh, exactly. But I, I mean, when we talk... So we, I think, I mean, we've all established that we feel that this is human sin at work, right? I mean, yeah. and so I can't, I can't finish this conversation without at least stating that our faith teaches us that we can turn at any moment, right? We mm -hmm. can repent for this sin at any moment. Yeah. Now, scientists are, are pretty clear that we're reaching the point of irreparable damage. That doesn't mean that we can't, as people of faith, turn from our sin at this and, moment. And should. And should, right. Like, because I think there is, you know, it's almost like Calvinist election, right? Like, well, I don't know if I am or I'm not, so I'm just going to live like I'm not. And if I am, then great, you know? Yeah, right. So, you know, I feel like we've kind of done that with scientists in terms of like, well, it's too late, so I'll light them up, friends. You know, exactly. like, I, <laughs> smoke them if you got them. Like, and I don't, want, I don't want us to do that, right? I want us to, this, and, and repentance isn't, you know, to turn from, right? That's what repentance is, or to turn away from sin. And, like, I don't want us to think that that has to be that 180 degrees right now. Like, but this is all the things we just named, right? So churches can turn their lawns into this. You can turn your lawn into garden. You can you cannot keep up grass and use toxic. By you, you mean the general you, not me, correct? Well, you yeah. you could also do that. Um, You're off the hook, Brian. So, <laughs> all y'all, right? All y'all can do this um, individually and as a group. But you know, finding yeah. finding ways to slowly change your world when you yes. don't have to take two cars, don't take two cars, right? right. Um, you know, sometimes Derek and I'll contact each other and, and like, hey, let's meet for lunch or something. And well, are you gonna come home first and get me or are you gonna, you know, and it's like, yeah, I'll, like there's no need for us both to drive there when we're gonna go end up in the same place or I'm, it's, it's close enough that we can take one car or something. Um, just just those little changes can be helpful. 
I mean, I think incremental things are actually helpful. Yeah. I, and, and I would just add, cause there's, there's like, this is, this is, I, I, I'm guessing that this topic was slightly chosen because it's one I could talk about forever. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things that I, I really think that again, if we're going back to like Christianity one-on-one, um, like caring for the environment really is a way of loving your neighbor. Um, and we, we really, and for folks who are justice oriented, we do have to understand that even, even if we're feeling the, some of the effects of climate change right now, the places that are feeling the effects of climate change most heavily and, and of our ecological dereliction most heavily are places where people are, where people of color and, and places where people don't have resources. And, and so like we're, we're seeing that the, the ways that we're affect, we're changing the temperature in the industrialized world is drying lakes in Africa. And, and part of what we're doing is deforesting, you know, South American forests. And, and, and the, the and dumping and, toxic and, waste and, in and China dump, and docks, right. dumping toxic waste in China. And the fact that like the lifestyle that we model, you know, like Shannon was talking about with India is like the lifestyle that we model has become the envy of the world. Yes. And therefore you have a billion people in India and a billion people in China who want to live like us. There's only 300 million of us and we're doing this much damage, you know, add 2 billion people who are all, you know, having meat as the staple of their diet and all driving cars and living middle-class lifestyles. Our planet can't contain that. So I, I think part of how we need to think about this is... And sorry, and that's not their fault. And that's not their... <laughs> exactly. Okay, right, 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 right. I think that's part a lie, but I want to say like, it. Is like, our, our, our greed is creating the example and the image of a lifestyle that is the quote unquote good life. And like, that's our fault. And, yes. and we need to think about the fact that like our neighbor is being hurt by our lifestyle and our lifestyle choices. Um, it's, you know, it's funny, like people talk about homosexuality as a lifestyle choice. <laughs> and it's like, no, like, uh, our our fossil fuel consumption is a lifestyle, is a lifestyle choice. choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so not only uh, are we on, uh, are we the model for the world of the ideal lifestyle, but because we put out so much media, you know, for people to consume, like that's what we give people to see. Yep. And so people, you know, watch our films, our television shows, uh, et cetera, and, and aspire to what we have and how we do it, which in a way, you know, is our form of preaching to the world, like through culture, that this right. is the best way to be human. And there's, right. you know, you wonder about the responsibility of filmmakers and, and people creating arts and media consumption to say, hey, we need to model co-housing, not one person living on one plot of land, or we need to model um, food, not lawns, or, you know, whatever you might say, right. uh, sharing rides. Well, and, and you know what? Let's go back to that for a second. Let's not forget the little things, right? Let's talk about packaging for a second, right? And recycling. Yeah. yeah. And how, you know, the articles that have come out on how badly we Americans recycle. Like, we don't know what's recyclable and what's <laughs> not. So we throw it all in there and it's ruining, you know, it's causing more problems than good. And, you know, things like, so, okay, so you don't have a big plot of land. You have an apartment, right? Grow some herbs, and then the next time yeah. you need basil, you're not getting the plastic container that, yeah. you know, comes with it. Or, you know, do read those things or don't get the plastic. I mean, or the shop plastic at the bag, market where it's just, you know, for sale. It's just there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And finding those ways. So, you know, and, and combining that, if we want to talk about our faith, combining that walk through a farmer's market or you know, a, a smaller grocery store market that doesn't have as much packaging because they didn't ship it in for so long ago, you know, um, using that as a contemplative prayer, right? Walking mm, through that, like that produce section and that, that area to say, 
you know, there, there were farmers that picked this and how can I be aware of them and pray for them? Um, and, and why not, you know, Lent, Lent's coming up. It's a great time to use everyday activity as spiritual practice. And also, I mean, just, just being able to put a face to the things that we, that we consume, you know, that, that changes so much about being able to like, you know, very few of us know a farmer, very few of us know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the people who are raising our, our livestock and our, you know, providing our milk. Like we don't know those people, but there, because in a lot of, in a lot of places, like there's not a person to know, but like there are people, you know, that, you know, I was, um, not to, uh, I hate to mention another podcast on, on, Oh, on, by all on, means. On this show. But I was listening <laughs> to my friend's uh, podcast, the Food and Faith podcast, and, and I um, and my friend Karen was on there, and I, I just love the way that she talks. She um, she has a farm, and she's starting a dinner church, but she, she raises pigs and uh, a couple other kinds of livestock. And, and just getting to know the, the people behind who are creating your food, and she was saying towards the end of the episode, you know, just getting, if you go out and meet the people who are raising the animals that are, you know, you're, you're, you're shrinking that circle. You're breaking away from the giant agricultural empire that is doing so much damage to this planet. And you're, you're reconnecting with humans and animals on a, on a more, on a more personal and spiritual level. And I just think it's it's you know really where where I'm often convicted um, in our food consumption, and you know we 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 say these things, but we're we're not perfect. Like hey, we, listen, we have we have six mouths to feed in this house, and sometimes we do what's convenient. <laughs> Ditto. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, right. I mean, and that's what I say. Give yourself some grace give, and some little steps, right? Like, absolutely. But, but where we can, you know, where we can buy organic, where we can buy local, where we can go, yes. when we do go out, like going to farm to table places and like, and where we can produce what we can produce, you know, ourselves. Right. You know, like those things, those things, they're small, tangible things and, in what feels like a large, overwhelming problem. Yeah, and we can all do that, even at, as you said, at a very small beginner step level, you know, to grow a few tomato plants. It's like suddenly look at these tomatoes. We can have other salad. We can make salsa or grow a few peppers or, you know, it's so easy. You don't need even a lot of land to do some very beginning uh, stuff. And I think... You're also getting better tomatoes. <laughs> and, yeah. and yes, and it tastes better. Much better tomatoes. Exactly. So just just a few things that we do, and and Brian, if you guys have some things that you do, right? So so we do. You may okay. So we'll see. Those of you that are watching, so we grow herbs, and we have an herb dryer up up there. Nice. Um, we have an arrow garden that you know um, we grow in the winter, um, lights and things like that down where I normally record down in Derek's office is full of plant. I just started my seeds. His seeds. I'm very um, excited about that. We do Hungry Harvest, which is a mm-hmm. produce that is delivered weekly to your door that is ugly produce. There's and, also and imperf- imperfect. Imperfect, yeah. Check, and this is different area by area, but check where you are because there are there are places that will resell like ugly produce and 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 it's it's mind-boggling the reasons like our hungry harvest will send us the reasons why the stores couldn't accept wow. the particular produce that we get each week. It's mind-boggling. It's stupid. It's, it's ugly. Right. Like, it's ugly. It, it's it's it really is like they the store wouldn't take it because it was ugly. And right. you're like, but wow. it's a perfectly good potato. It's a perfectly right. good avocado. It's like, yeah, but it was it was a little too small or it was a little too big or it was a little misshapen and so couldn't sell it. And you're like, how stupid are we? Right. (laughs) And it's, and it's delicious. Right. And and we, so we get, we get a box weekly uh, from hungry harvest. That is produce that's been rejected from local stores. Right. And, and, and instead of going into a landfill, instead of going, you know, completely to waste, it's coming to us. And, 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 and honestly, even the stuff that we don't eat goes into our compost bin. And like, 
composting is a huge thing that everyone can do yeah that that just like puts so much less waste into landfills well, which is super important and church wise you know i'm just going to throw out another few things right are you using paper cups where you could how many people are are your people retiring moving into smaller places and asking them do you have some mugs that you want to get rid of or going to you know one of the secondhand stores because glassware is the easy it's the first thing people get rid of and the cheapest thing to find anywhere anywhere and so like stop using paper and plastic that way you know like make somebody wash the stupid dishes right like things yeah. like I mean, that's what we've done that that's what we've done at our church we have we have only mugs and people donated some and uh yeah and we got some at secondhand stores and yep. uh and and then we bought a few that have cool messaging that reflects who we are and that Absolutely. we use every week right that's kind of cool right. um, and we use cloth napkins we don't use any yep. paper napkins at our church we use cloth napkins kind of a pain because someone has to take them home wash them bring them back sure. but you know yeah. i think it's that even symbolically like hey look we're we're not using where we don't have to paper products that we're just going to use too much of throw away because it got one crumb on it and exactly exactly yeah so anyway i mean th listen you can google any of these tips anywhere but taking them from your home into your church taking that you know letting other people in your congregation lead these discussions is always helpful um, but you know, biggest bang for your buck in terms of that is, is your, your property. I think, you know, your property and your lighting, like, are you really, do you really need that light on all night? Like, can't you just no. turn that off? You know, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's my spiel, but you, I mean, again, I don't think anybody listening to this is going, Oh, that's totally new for me. But no, but I, but I think it's just, it. I think as we've all said, we're right. We talk about this stuff. And yet, even as we talk about it, it's like, oh, there's more I could do. You know, I value this and I know there's more I could do. Right. So I, exactly. I think we're not talking about it too much, as Derek said. Well, and I, I think there's, there's two other pieces. One, I think is we, sometimes it feels like, you know, scientists have been doing a lot of kind of like doomsday stuff lately about where we are in terms of climate change. And a lot of times it does feel like too little, too late. Right. For me, again, from a, from a spiritual perspective, and I think what Shannon said earlier was, was spot on. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter if it's too little, too late. If, if I am in some ways turning away from what I know to be sinful. So like, you know, so like get rid of that fatalism and yes. change anyway, right? Right. The other thing that I think is really important, though, when you think about the magnitude of the issue is that we do need to be conscious consumers. Um, and, and, and that means because as much as like our turning off the lights may make a difference, it doesn't make as much of a difference as what Nestle does when they cordon off big sections of water and make them inaccessible to people so that they can bottle it. Which they right. love to do in my home state. Which, which, they, right. which they love to do. Right. And, in many states. And, <laughs> um, and in, many, in many places. Um, and and a, lot of our, a lot of those big corporations and, and, like, and, and checking ingredients as much as that's annoying. Like if you see palm oil in something that, that you are either consuming or using as a a, a beauty product or, or, or toiletry, like there's been a huge environmental toll for palm oil to get to the United States. And usually that means the destruction of a rainforest or forest in a country that doesn't have any say in United States politics. So, you know, I think small things and that includes where we shop and like sometimes that means that yeah we have to spend a little bit more on food that means we have to spend a little like i i you know I, I buy deodorant that doesn't have aluminum in it and i have to spend a little bit more for deodorant and instead of like getting the old spice two pack for four dollars i get you know <laughs> i love that I get, deal i get one pack for six dollars right i have to spend a little bit more but like that's important um, that's, that's not putting another chemical in both into the body and into the world. And I think we have to be 
conscious that those little decisions do add up and 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 they can and and honestly like because of the way our culture works if you make a market for something things change right and and if we make a market for people who are locally sourcing livestock and locally sourcing produce and locally and and responsibly sourcing you know cleaning products and 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 food then like more people will do that um i think so you're right Consum- the consumption demand will shape what people i mean for put out for there. better for better for worse capitalism is king and if if all we can do is is help shape the markets then we should do that which i have i i will say i have noticed cleaning products for instance used to be clean clean cleaning products right were astronomically higher and they're not anymore i mean they're they're getting lower and lower so you know yeah it may be six dollars today but the more people that buy it at six dollars it's gonna go down to make it more accessible which i failed in statistics and math class because i could just never understand why supply and demand and capitalism went down in cost <laughs> and not up and I didn't get it and I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to ever, but it's true. There's a different podcast for that. There is I'm a different, sure. like it's teach Shannon <laughs> statistics and corporate math. I would totally listen to that. As Tune long into as that. comics or something. We should have Dawn on. She could teach me those things. All right. So in, in closing, uh, maybe a final word, um, do you see a connection between your understanding of the gospel and how we care for creation? Because I think many Christians might put creation care aside because it feels like a side issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, so, um, yes. Short answer, yes. Um, Matthew 3, 6, or John 3, 16, like the most famous, famous verse in the world, right? Is like, for God so loved the world. And that world is, is like the, the Greek word there is cosmos. That's the created order. That's the entirety of the created order. That means that Jesus came into the world for us to understand what is happening with the created order. Mm. And, and for, for the salvation of the created order. Um, Would we call that the first order? No, because they're evil. Um, <laughs> but, but it's the original first order. Uh, oh, God, we're so parents. Um, but it's I, the original. The original first order. But I, I, think that, I, think that, I think that God's love for the world extends beyond humanity. And, and, yes. and, and, and I think we can take that too far, but I think that we have to break out of our our, our human-centered understanding of the gospel. And, and again, I, I referenced Romans 8 earlier that the, 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 the whole creation groans in waiting for the children of God to be revealed is what Paul says in Romans 8. And I think I take that very, you know, if, if I'm going to take something literally, I'm going to take that literally. Yeah. That like creation is waiting for us to step up and, 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 reclaim our original, you know, my, my friend, uh, Sam is the is starting a new church called keep and Till. the original thing that we were tasked to do by God is to keep until the earth. Nice. And, and, and for me, I, I, I think that is absolutely, you know, what we are being restored to, um, uh, a, a friend of mine used to say, or a friend of mine used to say that, like you know, the 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 Bible begins in a garden and ends in a city, and so like we, this is the this is the movement of of human evolution. And I I I checked him on that. I said, you know, the the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a city that has a tree growing out of it that has fruit of all different kinds. Okay. So like, there's a garden embedded in that city. Yeah. You know, there's urban agriculture happening there in that, in that heavenly vision of, yes. you know, and, and so many of the utopian visions, you know, in Isaiah and Revelation are of people having their own vineyards and having their own farms and having their own, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I, I, again, I can talk about this forever, but 
I do see that part of what is being redeemed through Christ is the created order. And I, 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 you know, I desperately hope that the church can begin to embrace all of the created order in our understanding of what salvation and healing means. Well, and, and again, to go back to Genesis, God's first physical manifestation on what wasn't earth yet, but it, you know, was through wind in, in the first creation story. And in the second creation story, God's first manifestation was through dirt and, and humans came later, right? I thought you were going to say light. I thought you were doing the wind solar uh, power. I mean, (laughs) light came second, right? But like, but like there was the breath of God, right? That, that, that is the spirit, right? We see that as one that Jesus, I mean, the beginning of John, Jesus was the word and was with God in the beginning. But yeah. the first physical manifestation is wind, is breath, is spirit. Right. And then, you know, and again, if you jump over to Genesis 2, it's through the dirt. Yeah. It's through the ground. So this isn't anti-gospel at all. This this isn't, it's not anti-biblical. And then, you know, jumping into Jesus' day, like, you know, the first things we get from Jesus are, are you know, him running out into the wilderness and him being baptized in the rivers. Like, this was not unimportant to him. And using tons of agrarian metaphors for, over for and over parents. and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just think it, you cannot separate the two. Yeah. Good, good word. I, I agree. I mean, I think too often in the history of the church, we've kind of set ourselves above and almost against creation, right? We're created a little lower than the heavenly beings, but we are created. We are part of creation. You know, we came out of, as you said, the dirt. And um, if we don't treat that dirt and soil and earth well, there's going to be serious repercussions. So fantastic conversation. And we had the right uh, guest co-host on today. So really, really enjoyed it. And glad to have you today, Derek. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, anytime you need me to pinch it for you, I'm, I'm here. We have to feel and, all the complaints first. And, you know, and it's not even a snow day, but there may be day drinking. So there may, And there was day drinking. There was. So it was four, you know. It, a win-win. Wins all around. Yes. 70 degrees outside, so the door's open. Yeah. Oh, nice. Right? Speaking of speaking of global change. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pup Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word on social media. You can listen anytime, you know, anytime you wake up and get a hankering for Pup Theology Live. You can just queue up your phone, find your favorite podcast app, and listen to us. We'd love it if you'd rate us on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the show. And if you want to watch us, you can check us out on YouTube or IGTV and if you'd like to find a conversation group in your town, check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see one, you'll see some resources to start your own. And we'd love you to become a supporter, a patron of the show at Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash Live to get started. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Derek has a class tonight on, what is it? What's tonight? Small scale farming. So it's on crop rotation. And oh. Yeah. Now you're primed up. You're ready. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. let me tell you why this is theological. And then I'll get kicked out of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not this crowd. And God so, said, in this row, we need beans. Right, exactly. <laughs> we didn't talk about this on, but Derek and I are turning our front yard into a free little garden. Um, which is like the free little library. Yes. Only they're, they're not associated. Um, <laughs> no relation. No relation. But yeah, we're turning our, our front yard into, and we're very suburban, like we're in a very suburban area. And um, although we don't have big, like an, we don't have a big like HOA that we have to get permission, but we did kind of go to them and say, hey, we're going to do this. Um, so, you know, I think it's, I think just Google free little garden and, Sweet. you know. 
look it up. But we're the, we're the first one in Maryland. We are the first one in Maryland. We're are you really? number 144 or something. You guys and you are. get a little, for $25, you get a little plaque and a little, like you join their Facebook group. We're official. We are official. You guys so are literally excited. groundbreakers. Right. <laughs> and metaphorically. In, in the state. So, yeah. And we're turning, um, it's going to start with the, um, we have sidewalks in our neighborhood and literally the plot between the sidewalk and the street, you know, that little patch of grass. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's going to start there and we'll see how much of our front lawn we want to take over. But I mean, something that like, again, it's a wasteland, right? It's just oh, it, when some kid comes by and his rollerblades and his street hockey stick and just like wax a plant, what's going to happen? Uh, we, we may have to talk to a parent. <laughs> And I mean, I may have to work on some breathing exercises. You're right. <laughs> right. I might, I might need to find a beer then. Right. <laughs>